We've been committing to this, y'all. We've been committing to this. And it's amazing to see so many of you coming together to commit to spending time in the reading of the word. We have read through the entire New Testament. Now we're reading through the entire Old Testament together. And really, our format is very simple. Our format is let's read and let's reflect. I call this the read and rant because I've got nothing prepared. I'm simply reading for about 15 to 20 minutes. And then afterwards, we're just going to reflect on the scripture for about 15 to 20 minutes. I want you to ask three critical questions as you spend time in reading the word today, because we're not doing this as a Bible study. I reserve that for Patreon. What we're doing today is, is that we're going to spend time to ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? These are three questions that I've encouraged you all to ask, especially as you've been journeying through the entire scripture, is, is that we want to per, we want to give ourselves a perspective to see beyond simply the microscope of the verse that we're reading or the chapter that we're reading, but rather through the grand narrative of what God is doing and also to get a big picture of God's will, God's heart, God's story, God's mission, and God's plan. And so that's why we're here. That's why we do this. We do this because we want you to be exposed to the totality of scripture, to see scripture from a different perspective. And so I want to encourage you right now, go ahead and turn your Bible to Isaiah 42, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get right into it. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the opportunity to come here to spend time in the reading of your word. Father, I pray that you would bless us today. Lord, give us the grace, Lord, to hear from you today. Father, we want to hear your heart. We want to hear Lord, your will. We want to hear your mind. We want to hear you, Father, today. Not for us to impose ourselves upon you, but Lord, that you would impose yourself upon us. Lord, transform us, conform us, convict us, correct us, so that we would become more like you. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 42, verse 1, and it says this, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he established justice in the earth. Hmm. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise from the ends of the earth who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them. Let the wilderness and the cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kadar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Sela sing. Let them shout from the top of mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have held my peace a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I will lay waste to the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will make the rivers coastlands and I will dry up the pools. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. 
they shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed who trust in carved images, who say to molded images, you are gods. Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see who is blind but my servant or death as my messenger whom I sent, who is blind as he who is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant, seeing many things, but you do not observe, opening the ears, but he does not hear. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will exalt the law and make it honorable. But this is a people robbed and plundered, all of them snared in holes, and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey and no one delivers, for plunder and no one says restore. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will listen and hear for the time to come? Who gave Jacob for plunder and Israel to the robbers? Was it not the Lord? He against whom we have sinned? For they would not walk in his ways, nor were they obedient to his law. Therefore, he poured on him the fury of his anger and the strength of battle. It set him on fire all around, yet he did not know, and it burned him, yet he did not take it to heart. Hmm. But now, Isaiah 43, but now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not. For I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things. Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that you have made known that you may know, sorry, and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there is no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me, there is no savior. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed. Hmm. And there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there's no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work and who will reverse it? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through mighty waters who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give 
drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me to the sheep for your burnt offerings. Sorry, you have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have brought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Your first father sinned, and your mediators have transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary. I will give Jacob to the curse and Israel to reproaches. Hmm. One more chapter. Isaiah 44. Yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. I will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. One will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand, the Lord's, the name himself by the name of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declare it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Those who make an image, all of them are useless, and their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a god or mold an image that profits him nothing? Surely all his companions would be ashamed, and the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand that they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. The blacksmith and the tongs work one in the coals, fashions it and hammers it and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule and marks one out with chalk and fashions it with a plane and marks it out with a compass and makes it like the figure of a man according to the beauty of a man that he may remain in the house. He cuts down cedars for himself, takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for a man to burn, for he will take some of it and warm himself. And yet, yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes a, a, it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in fire. With this half, he eats meat. He roasts the roast and is satisfied. He warms himself and says, ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it, he makes it into a god, his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my God. They do not know 
nor understand. For he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. And no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I have also baked bread in its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it, and shall make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes, and a deceived heart he has turned has turned him aside, and he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into the singing of mountains, O forest, and every tree, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited. To the cities of Judah, you shall be built, and I will raise up her waste places. Who says to the deep, be dry, and I will be dry, and I will dry up your rivers? Who says to Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. It's an interesting transition there. Um, it's an interesting transition going from Isaiah 44 um, to Isaiah 45. Because if you notice right there at the end of Isaiah 44, he introduces us to Cyrus. And of course, we've read about Cyrus and his military and political might. We read about Cyrus and what Cyrus has conquered and how Cyrus now is going to play a part in the story of what God is doing in the work that he's doing for humanity through the children of Israel. But it's just interesting the transition when we go from Isaiah 43, the quick introduction of Cyrus um, to, sorry, Isaiah 44, right at the end, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. And then in Isaiah 45, he's going to open up into how Cyrus plays a part in the mission. Now, this is Cyrus, y'all. This is Cyrus who, you know, this is this is a, a conqueror one of military might, one of political power, one of um, uh, renown. Um, he is a man who is feared for his authority and what he's accomplished. And so I find it interesting that it transitions there. So I'm just going to leave that there because I, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But if you've been here, you know what we do here. I mean, uh, uh, the whole purpose of our time here is so that people can read through the Bible for themselves. Because a lot of people who have opinions about the Bible or opinions about the word or opinions about faith, they have opinions without actually reading the whole thing. And even people who are of faith, people who grow up in the church, there are people who grew up in the church who have not read through the entire Bible. They reserve that to the pastors and the teachers and the leaders. But us, no. I mean, we need you to tell us where to find what it is we're looking for in the Bible, which is a travesty because when we talk about what transpires in the church, particularly when there's pain, when there's hurt, when there's manipulation, when um, the people 
have been affected by failure in leadership or whatever it is in the church and the pain that um, comes out of that, the pain that is produced and the suffering and the hurt, all those things that are produced from that, they're produced from the ignorance of the, the sheep, the ignorance of the body of believers, because for some reason, we as pastors have postured ourselves to be the experts who tell you what the Bible says, rather than just having you journey with us into reading the Bible with us. I think one of the most profoundly impactful endeavors for any person, any individual, particularly any believer, is just to read to the through the Bible for themselves. Like read it for yourself, read what it says, because when you read it for yourself, you begin to see a bigger picture of what God is doing. I hope by this point that. Your perspective on God, your perspective on Jesus, your perspective on what the Bible is saying is changing. I think most Christians have a jaded or myopic perspective of the Bible because they haven't read through it in totality. So you read a verse here, you read a verse there, you read a piece here, you read a piece there, you read a part here, you read a part there. And so you never really get the big picture because you have to actually read the whole thing to see what the grand story is, what the big picture is. But if you've been with us and you've been reading with us, you've been journeying through the story of what God is doing through the children of Israel, central to the scriptures, is Israel, the children of Israel, and the purpose that they have and what God's mission is on earth. From Genesis, we see what God has given the mandate to humanity to rule, to subdue the earth, to rule the earth, the authority on the earth resting on humanity. And so God, of course, giving mankind authority, mankind by his spirit that he inseminates in us, and that's the word that I want to use there. The appropriate word is the, the insemination of his spirit in us now gives us not only the breath of the almighty, which gives God the almighty understanding, what we know in Job, what we read in Job, gives us the creativity of God, the wisdom of God, all that. That's great. But the spirit of God makes us the extensions of God on earth. It always sounds weird when I say it that way, because when we're waiting for God to do something, we're always waiting for God to move. We always somehow separate what God is doing apart from what he's doing through humanity. We, we were so limited in our understanding of God that we reduce God to just somebody who's up in the sky who orchestrates things for us and makes things work out. Kind of like a guy who just kind of, you know, he chooses this and he chooses that. He does this and he does that. He acts this way and he does this. And yet we fail to realize that God's intention on the earth was not to do anything actively on the earth without participation with humanity. When God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. He said to mankind, let them have dominion. What does that mean? He said, let them rule. So therefore now the ruling of the kingdom has been delegated to humanity. And because God who places his word above himself will not interfere with it, because if he does that, that brings into question who he is. Let me say that one more time. because I need people to understand why this is so critically important. We're waiting for God to do something. Pay very close attention, fam. You're waiting for God to do something in your life. We're waiting for God to make things right in the world. We blame God when things don't go right in the world. We're delegating everything to God, not realizing that from the beginning, God delegated everything to us. While you're waiting for God to do things, while you're waiting for God to be the solution, God has made you the solution. He's called humanity, says to humanity, fill the earth and subdue it. He said, let them have dominion. We have been given authority on the earth. If anything is happening on this planet, on this rock, the responsibility goes to humanity by the power and the authority given by God. So rather than asking God, what is he going to do next? 
Ask God, who is he calling to do what he is doing through that person that he's calling to do it? I want to make sure you understand this because too many of us have this passive, this passive perspective of faith. We have this passive perspective of our place in the earth. We have this passive perspective of the work that God is doing. We're very passive. And so we sit back thinking that we're passive and powerless, not realizing that we are powerful by the way by the by the virtue of what God has done from the beginning. So therefore, now what happened? What happened is sin. Sin separated us from God, but more importantly, sin, what sin did, and I'm going to give you a little quick thing here because I know we're not here for too long, but I feel like I need to do this because I need to give you a perspective so you can understand what's happening here in the book of Isaiah because there's so many layers, there's so many dimensions, there's so many facets, but I feel that the Lord is really leading me to make sure I bring clarity to this because this is so critically important that what sin does is sin blinds you from your awareness of who God has called you to be. Sin blinds you from your awareness of knowing who you are in him. Sin distorts what you see. That's all sin does. The devil, what he does is he takes what is beautiful and he ruins it. He takes all the things God has created that is beautiful and he ruins it. When we sin, What we're doing is, is we are clouding our own perspective of what God has created beautifully for our thriving, for our blessing, for our purpose, and now clouds it and prohibits us from seeing it. This is what he meant when he said, On the day that you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. You know, it's funny. I'm sorry. This is a rant. And I'm just, again, this is what we do. We think out loud. I got nothing prepared. I'm just here to just share some thoughts with you all because I think this is so important. This is so important. I need everybody to see this and understand this. Is that often we have this perspective of sin that's just about heaven and hell, but it's more than just heaven and hell. It's not about just heaven and hell. It's about heaven and the earth. It's about heaven and the earth. It's about heaven and what God is doing here. It's about what's happening even on this planet. What's happening even in this moment. This is what this is all about. Um, you know, I, uh, there's so much that I can really speak into right now that I'm going to refrain from because that'll take me down a rabbit trail. But I want to, I want to, I want to make sure you understand what sin does because when, when God told Adam, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. He didn't say you will die later. He didn't say that From now on, you know, there's an expiration date to your body. Yes, entropy came into the world because of sin. Death came because of sin. But when he said on this, on this day, you will surely die. He didn't say later. He said in that moment, you will die. So we need to think for a moment what happened when Adam ate the fruit. Because at the moment that Adam ate the fruit, he died. Meaning something changed and we know what changed his perspective. Can I, can I break that down for you? Sin, all sin does is it changes what you see. Sin changes your perspective. That's what sin does. Remember that when Adam ate the fruit in the moment that he ate it, the Lord said in the moment that he ate it, he will surely die. And so he ate it. And he died in that moment. He didn't die later. He died then. And we see what happened when he died then. Because once he died then, that's when he looked at himself 
and felt it necessary to cover himself. When he looked at himself, that's when he experienced shame. When he looked at himself, that's when his perspective changed. What sin does is sin distorts our perspective. It's a perpetual lie that comes from the enemy, that comes from something not God, but Satan, the opposer, who then gives you another perspective. That's what sin does. And now God is restoring this. This is what God came to do, because if God's going to restore the earth, because that's his intention is to restore the earth. If God is going to restore the earth, then God is going to restore humanity. Because to restore the earth means that God must bring humans into restoration. Because again, if God is doing anything on the earth, he's doing it through humanity. Have you ever thought why he had to become a human to bring redemption to humanity? Have, has anybody ever thought about that? I like that you say Adam and Eve were not the first people. That's exactly right. They were the first with his spirit. Think about this for a second, family. Have you ever thought about that? Why did Jesus have to become a human? Because when God releases authority through humanity as extensions of him, it's only through humanity that God can bring restoration to the earth. So he became man because anything that happens on the earth can only happen through humanity. Sorry, it might get a little, I know we're going to get into all, you know, we're going to get into soteriology and all that. And I'm not here to get into that. I'm not here to get into all that. Um, but I'm here to simply say, when you understand that, then you're going to begin to understand what is happening here in the book of Isaiah. It's in this moment that you begin to understand now what God is doing because God is in the business of redeeming humanity, but he's called a person. There's a person that he put this promise upon. He said to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. He would father many nations, that he would bring redemption, that through him would come redemption and restoration. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how you can begin to look through the story of humanity and at the backbone of human history are the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, they're the ones who introduce things that we are, that, that now are normal to us, but that were unfamiliar to people in that time. All that is to say, and I'm going to leave you with this, is that the people that God has called, because it's through humanity, these people who were supposed to be the people, the chosen people of God, these people who were supposed to be the people who would bring justice and righteousness, because if you notice, that's what God is all about. God is all about justice. He's all about establishing righteousness. Isaiah is really about how God is bringing his justice and his righteousness. And so now God has, has called a people who would bring righteousness, who would bring justice to the earth, who would make things right again. This is what, this is the whole purpose of it. And even though Israel was fully aware of this, fully aware of the call of God, fully aware of it, and God now gives them a law, and this law that he gives them, of course, we read this law, and we read it as if it's for us. It wasn't for us, it was for them. He gave them a law, because we have to also, we cannot insert ourselves into this, because that's what a lot of Christians do. They insert themselves, they read the Ten Commandments, they read all this stuff, and then upon reading all this stuff, they make it something that they ought to do, rather than seeing it as something that God has done, and God has already accomplished, and God has done it through a people. But now we see it, and we see how the law now shapes them to see the justice of God, to be the justice and the righteousness of God, and yet these people fail. He gives them a sacrificial law. And the sacrificial law he gave for purification, for the purification of sins, revealing that the life is in the blood, that is through the atonement by the sacrifice of blood that now comes the forgiveness of sins. This is how they operated. This was for them. Notice, it wasn't for everyone else. It was for them. And then we get pointed out to uh, reality. 
And I always found this interesting because he points out that the thing he gave them to do, they did not do. Stuff that he called them to do, they did not do. The stuff that he called them to accomplish, they did not accomplish. They continued to fail over and over and over again. And Israel now finds themselves in a precarious place. They're not that grand nation bringing justice and righteousness. They're not sitting on the pinnacle of society. They've become like everybody else. Done as everybody else does. They've lived like everybody else. And now we find that the justice that God is establishing on earth, these people can't do it even when they were called to do it, even though they believed that they were the ones to do it, they could not do it. Somebody else would need to do it for them. Someone else would need to bring the righteousness and justice. So the promise of God, the necessity of humanity, and now the grace of God leads us to Isaiah, which now points us to someone else, someone else who's going to do this. And when we read in Isaiah 42, my servant whom I uphold, my elect, one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. There's somebody coming. Notice what Israel, remember, this is the part of the story that I want you to pay attention to. Israel knows there's somebody coming. And then that person who's coming says, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory. I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Wait, there's somebody coming. There's someone coming. And whoever that is that's coming, he's going to make everything new again. He's going to make all things new again. Everything's going to change. And so in verse nine, he says, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Then he says, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. Who goes down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and inhabitants of them. There's something coming. And notice now there's a new thing coming. But let me remind you, notice it's back and forth. That's what we've been reading, a back and forth. This is what God's going to do, but this is what you keep on doing. This is what God's going to do, but this is what you keep on doing. This is what God's going to do. He's doing a new thing, but y'all just keep Messing this up. Isaiah 43, there's a redeemer, this one who's going to redeem. But y'all keep messing up. You will be what my witnesses. You will be the ones because I chose you. I called you by my name. And then he says, do not remember the former things. Leave the old stuff behind. The old stuff haven't worked. And I'm going to get to my point today. But there's one to come who's going to make all things new. You keep messing it up but then I'm bringing redemption. Then when we talk about the law, since everyone gets so fixated on the law, he says to Israel, who's been unfaithful to the law, you have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings. You have not honored me with your sacrifices. Hmm. You have not come bringing your grain offerings. You have not brought me sweet cane with money. You have not satisfied me with the fat of your offerings. This was all the stuff that God told them to do. And here they are in the midst of the depravity. God is pointing out. Y'all haven't done it. You guys have been slipping up. You guys haven't done anything I told y'all to do. But verse 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. How, Sway? How? Wasn't it supposed to be that it was the sacrifices that give me forgiveness? 
Isn't isn't that what's supposed to happen? Isn't it that when I do, when I obey the law, that's when God forgives me? Isn't it when I when when I actually do what God tells me to do, that's when I get forgiveness? Isn't that when God actually receives me? Isn't that when it happens? And God is looking at them and he's pointing at them and he's looking at them and telling them, you haven't done anything I told you. And even when you didn't do anything I told you, I'm still blotting out your sins. I'm still remembering your sins no more. I'm still going to forgive you. And I'm still going to redeem you, even when you kept slipping up. You know, it's so easy to look at this is what God told Israel to do. This is what God told Israel to do. Here's the law. This is the things that you need to, to for the law. This is what you need to do. You need to do this, 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 this. And then when you do all these things, then God's going to forgive you. And then you can go to heaven and all that. This is bigger than you. This is way bigger than you. You can't, you can't do this. Because nowhere in the history of the Bible, in the history of the world, has anyone been able to do it? And yet even then, somebody needs to hear this today, that even when they did, God said, I'm still going to do a new thing. I'm still going to do a new thing. And notice what he says there. Man, I can go all day on this. I'm sorry, I've been ranting, y'all. Y'all just have to put up with my rants, but this is so encouraging today because when God says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. When God says that, he tells them very, very, very specifically that I'm blotting out your transgressions and I'm redeeming you. That's what we read in the reading, for my own sake. You are forgiven. Whatever you did yesterday, you're forgiven. Whatever you did five minutes ago, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. He is the God who remembers your sins no more. You are forgiven. He blots out your sins by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. You were forgiven. You will always be forgiven for anything you did past, present, and future. You are forgiven. God has forgiven you of everything you've done. You might've done something five minutes ago, you're forgiven. If you feel shame or feel guilt, that did not come from God. That came from the enemy who's lying to you and telling you something that isn't even true. God is the one who remembers your sins no more. He already covered it. God's covered it. And you know why he did it? He did it so he can be in relationship with you again. He blotted out your sins so that you can be with him again. And he did it for his glory. This is not for your credit. This is for his glory. You're forgiven. You're forgiven, family. Each and every person here, you may be reading this and looking at this and you're over here going, what do I need to do for God to forgive me? What do I need to do for God to accept me? You're forgiven. you're forgiven. God is the one who redeems. There's no one else who can do it. You're forgiven. And so when God says, I'm doing a new thing, ready for this? You can't do a new thing without letting go of an old thing. The God who's making all things new needs for old things to pass away. But in order for old things to pass away, You have to allow for new things to come. And in order for new things to come, you have to acknowledge that the former things are not the things and that the former life was not the life. Repentance literally means to turn away, to turn around and to point in the other direction. And for some of us, we're still looking back at what we've done, where we've been filled with shame and guilt. And God's saying, stop looking back. That is the past. It is over. It is done. I've covered it. I need you to look forward. Paul said, in this very thing I do, leaving that which is behind me and stretching forward to that which is before me, let go and let God. Family, let go 
and let God. Repentance is not feeling guilty. Repentance is literally saying, forget the past. Let go of the old. Repentance is not remorse. Repentance is not feeling guilty. Anybody who's telling you you need to repent, meaning you need to feel bad, you can repent joyfully. Repentance is saying, I see what's back there and I'm turning around and looking forward to what's ahead of me. Repentance is saying, I'm not looking back anymore. I'm looking forward because the God who's doing a new thing requires for old things to pass away. But if old things are going to pass away, you have to look forward. You have to look straight ahead. You have to say, I'm done with whatever I used to be, wherever I used to go, whatever I used to do. I'm done with that. Not because I feel guilty about it, but simply because I'm believing in God that what he has ahead of me is way better than what he has behind me. Family, what's ahead is better than what's behind. Leave that which is behind. Reach forward to that which is before you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I've done the work to redeem. I've done the work to restore. And so if I've done the work, then there's nothing you need to do. Just turn around. Sing to the Lord a new song. Do a new thing. New me. New life. New mind. New heart. New all of it. But you can't do a new thing thinking about the old thing. And so he's telling Israel something very simple. Let go of your gods. Let go of the stuff you worship. You know why it's hard to go into a new season in your life? For a lot of us, the reason why it's hard to go into a new season in your life is because it's really hard to let go of the idols of your past. There's some of you right now, the reason why it's hard to go into a new season in your life to see a new thing, the new thing that God is doing is because you're still holding on to that old boyfriend. You still hold on to that old girlfriend. You still got some friends who you know, I got to let that go, but you're still holding on. And so you really can't reach forward to that which is before you because you're still holding on to that which is behind you holding you back. You're still holding on to your past, holding on to past thoughts, past shame, past guilt. How are you going to move forward when you can't let go of the past? No, you have to let go of the past. Reach forward to that which is before you. God is doing a new thing. Now it's not you-centered. It's God-centered. Let go of your old idols. He's literally telling Israel, let go of your idols. Those idols you've been worshiping that do nothing for you. Let them go. I'm ranting. I'm ranting. I'm ranting. I'm sorry, fam. I guess that's what you, I guess you know already I'm ranting, but this is all God is saying. And he's speaking to some of us today that you're actually being held back in life because you won't and you refuse to let go of the stuff you idolize in your past. You actually can't move forward to a new thing because you're too busy holding on to an old thing. So rather than asking God, why can't he do something new? God is speaking to you today and saying to you, why can't you let go of your old mindset, your old thinking, your old ideology, that boyfriend who keeps calling you, delete, delete his number. Delete her number. That old thing you used to do, delete it. Turn around, let it go. The stuff that you used to trust in, your money, your accolades, all that, all the stuff you used to trust in, let it go. You know, maybe if you actually let go, you would actually move forward to where God's calling you to be. Y'all need to block some people. Y'all need to delete some people. Y'all need to block some accounts. Y'all need to delete some accounts. Y'all need to block some, some stuff. Can't be renewed if you're still holding on to the old. So Father, renew us today. Teach us to let go of that which is behind us. Teach us to reach forward to that which is before us. We're reminded today as Israel sees the redemption of God, the promise of God, and yet God is telling Israel for a new thing to happen, to get them past this old broken thing that they're in, that he's called them to let go of those idols and to trust entirely upon you. You are 
God. So, Father, teach us today, Lord, to let go of the old and to reach towards the new, to know that you're doing a new thing and to have confidence in what it is that you're doing. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I got to go, but I will say this. Please make sure you stay in touch with me, stay connected with me. Text me, 954-231-1848. I send, um, I send daily reminders of the Read and Rant, so you'll get that. And also announcements. What if I get off of TikTok? What if I leave TikTok? Or what if I leave IG? What if I leave YouTube? Whatever it might be. You'll know because I'll text you. I'll let you know exactly what's going on. I'll keep you apprised about what's going on. And also, because we are going to be planting a church, y'all. Um, I want to encourage you guys, stay connected with me. I'd love to share the story, what God is doing. And so that gives you an opportunity to do that. Also, click the link in the bio. If you want to support, become a patron. Become a patron. It's a monthly commitment. It's $10. Yes, you'll get the read and rants right afterwards. And I put the edited audio on for you guys. But I, it's more than that. It's just that there are those of you who say, hey, I just want to support what God is doing through this. It's your support that's made this possible. So I want you, I want to encourage you guys to continue to support what we're doing. The number again is 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. The reading rants will continue. Okay. We're not going to stop that. We're going to continue going with that. It's a long time before any of that stops. But Things could change. Platforms can change, you know, and it's good to stay in touch. It's, to, it's good for you guys to stay apprised. We also have Bible study tonight, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, for those of you who are on Patreon, our patrons, we will have Bible study tonight. We're going to continue our Bible study on the church. We're going to talk about what the church is, what the Bible says about what the church is, not what people say about what the church is or what the church says about what the church is. So I want to encourage you guys. And if you ever miss any Bible studies, you can go back and check them out also on Patreon because I post the audios on there as well. So anyway, that's all to say, guys. Love you all. I will be back tomorrow. We're going to continue our reading and continue reading through the scriptures. But I do want to encourage you guys, stay connected, okay? Stay connected with me as we continue to uh, press into what God is doing in this season. And um, I don't know. I think there was something else I wanted to share, something else I wanted to say, but I can't remember. If anything, I'll just post it. Uh, But I love y'all. Grateful for you all. And oh, one more thing. Thank you. I don't know when all this happened, but I did get an email this morning that 10,000 of you have subscribed to my YouTube. So now I'm planning on something. I'm praying through what the Lord wants me to do with the YouTube channel. 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. I need to do something with that. So pray for me on that as we um, are being led through that. I've also, thank you, Anna. um, I've also been uh, considering Twitter spaces so that's another platform that I'm, 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 yeah, I'm leaning towards. Um, uh, we may, we may do our lives on Twitter Spaces as well. So follow me on Twitter as well. Um, but yeah, so there you go. There, there are a lot of other spaces that I'm looking to to do this. And so, anyway, love y'all, fam. See y'all tomorrow. We'll continue our reading. Stay connected with me. There's a lot of things happening. A lot of moving parts. I would love for you guys to stay connected and support if you can. All right. The number one more time. 954-231-1848. Oh, snap. I got a whole bunch of folks on YouTube. I need to start paying attention to that. Oh, wow. Hey, fam. I see y'all. Great. This is awesome. I need to start paying attention here. Awesome. Well, it's good to see you guys. Love y'all. See y'all tomorrow. God bless you.